0: From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. The Juno Planning Commission approved on Tuesday a conditional use permit to convert the assembly building from office space into apartments for legislators and staffers. No changes to the height of the building is proposed. Wayne Jensen with Jensen Yorbo Wall Architects represented the legislature during comment on the permit.
1: The building was constructed in 1934 at the corner of 4th and Seward Streets uh right diagonally across the street from the what was then the federal and territorial building uh in, which was completed in 1931 both uh of the te- the territorial building and the uh, assembly building were the art deco style architecture which was very common uh in, throughout the country and through this uh, community during that period um it was originally constructed as an apartment building uh, it was later changed to uh, office building, and we're now restoring that use back to apartments. Uh, the building was purchased by the Juno Community Foundation Capital Fund and given to the legislature earlier this year.
0: Jensen spoke to the history of the building.
1: I can imagine that many of the people that worked in the federal territorial building probably found housing in this uh, this unit. It was very convenient, right across the the uh, the street. Uh, And that's the use that we're actually returning it to now, is people working in the Capitol having an opportunity to live in this building.
0: There will be about 20 parking spaces available in the basement. Access to the parking is via an existing garage door off Seward Street. An existing elevator serves all floors. In other matters, the Planning Commission also authorized a conditional use permit for a marijuana retail operation in Douglas on Tuesday night, The permit request for Kent and Deborah Hart and Julie Hamilton is seeking a new building on the lot while an existing single-family dwelling would remain. The conditions would be that prior to operation, the applicants receive the required state and city licenses by approval of a special use permit. The Planning Commission does not take position as to whether the application to the state satisfies the requirements of the state license, including if the facility is within 500 feet of a school. Hamilton, the former chief finance officer of the Alaska Permanent Fund, spoke to the commission on Tuesday.
2: We put our heads together um, thinking about the property, and he and his wife did, and uh, friends and family, and uh, we believe that there's a, a demand for a, a retail marijuana store in Douglas. Um, there's currently none in Douglas, so if people want to uh, purchase marijuana, they must go across the bridge, um, whether it's for recreational use or for um, medicinal use.
0: The new building would be located on Front Street near Dock Street. Hamilton says the business would primarily serve the residents of Douglas and there would be no on-site consumption. Betsy Lowenbaugh spoke to her concerns about the dispensary being so close to boating access.
2: Under this proposal, the hundreds of people who use the double boat ramps, as well as those docked in the Douglas Harbor, would have easy access to marijuana, which is a real concern for public safety. In addition to boat operators, it's almost certain the majority of these This shop's customers will be driving to and from the location. The National Institute on Drug Abuse, part of the National Institute on Health, notes the following, quote, marijuana is the illicit drug most frequently found in the blood of drivers who've been involved in vehicle crashes, including fatal ones. Two large European studies found that drivers with THC in their blood were roughly twice as likely to be culpable for fatal crash than drivers who had not used drugs or alcohol.
0: The permit passed 6-0, to with Commissioner Josh Winchell recusing himself from the vote. Mayor Beth Weldon spoke on Action Line regarding the initiative that seeks to remove mandatory property sales disclosures and pointed out that when the Assembly acted on the matter, there was little public participation. The group Protect Juno Homeowners' Privacy is attempting to collect 2,130 signatures to achieve a ballot referendum to repeal the city's code on mandatory disclosure of real estate values in transactions. Weldon said that the time to talk about the disclosures was when it was first in front of the Assembly earlier in the year.
3: Number one, I'm not a huge fan of initiatives. I'll have to say that out. I've said that from the very beginning on any of them. I mean, the time to talk about that was when we had, did, had them in front of the Assembly and we just didn't get any public input. People just didn't come out and it, talk about it.
0: The Assembly had voted this year to fine-tune an ordinance initially approved in 2020 that requires buyers to disclose property sales information to the Assessor. Since there was difficulty in obtaining the information, A provision was added calling for a penalty of $50 per day if a property sale disclosure is not provided within 90 days. The ordinance also repealed the confidentiality provision. Weldon said that the disclosures helped the city assessor. This
3: is what to help the assessor, and um, uh, i be honest, I was the only one that was consistently a no vote on this um, I think at the very end I said objection, I disagree with this totally, and just said, but I'm voting just to move it on but um but that's the idea is it helps the assessor um, when you go into um, It's just a tool for the assessor to figure out the true value, um, the true market value of properties. And um, if you decide to appeal your assessment, that's a tool that they can use with you to say, okay, these five um, houses that are similar to yours, we know, sold for these, so that's why your house is at this. Do you have reasons why your house isn't at this? And there can be reasons. I mean, you could say, well, those five houses have all been remodeled. Mine isn't. Mine still has the avocado green refrigerator or whatever, but um, uh, it's just a tool for the assessor.
0: Mayor Weldon. The Juneau Chamber of Commerce have announced their opposition to holding a constitutional convention in the state, which will be put to voters later in the year. The Alaska Constitution was passed in 1956, and the question of whether to hold a convention appears on the ballot every 10 years. Craig Dahl, Chamber Executive Director, said the document has been referred to as a model constitution, and pointed out that each time the voters have taken up the question of whether to hold a constitutional convention, it has ultimately been voted down. It was most recently voted down in 2012 in a vote of 90,000 to 179,000.
4: The problem is once you, once you open the, we'll call it Pandora's box, once you have a constitutional convention, there's no restriction on what you can talk about. And, and I counted up from some of the notes and information that we've collected, there's already 18 different issues by special interest groups who see an opportunity to fix by trying to make changes to the Constitution.
0: Dahl urged that the legislature could address the issues that advocates are calling for.
4: We all might have our frustration with either how quickly or what the legislature is able to deal with, but if an issue is that important and there's enough backing from the constituency, um, the legislature has a mechanism and they should be allowed to use it.
0: He said that if voters do approve the holding of a convention, then the process won't be started until about 2024.
4: It's a a long and expensive process. It doesn't happen quick. Um, During that During that time, you basically send the state into a certain amount of uh, disarray and turmoil as people kind of question, well, where is the state going? Maybe I should or shouldn't invest in the state of Alaska.
0: Chamber Executive Director Craig Dahl. The Haines Dispatch Center has identified the need to upgrade its radio dispatch equipment. Because of that, the Haines Assembly took up paying for those upgrades on Tuesday. Here's Mayor Doug Ollerud.
4: The Haines Borough Assembly authorized the borough manager to execute a contract with Raycom to replace police radio dispatch equipment in the Haines Dispatch Center for an amount not to exceed $124,585.
0: Raycom offers a plan for purchase, installation, and an extended five year service plan that would allow the borough to keep their equipment up to date and serviced. Assemblymember Gabe Thomas said the failure of the current radio dispatch center places all police and first responders at risk and that keeping them in communication with the dispatch center is a safety issue.
3: Radio communications are critical to public safety, police, fire, and ambulance, and especially in regions such as ours where you have mountains that interfere with uh, direct line of sight types of communications. And radio equipment is usually at the end of its life after about 10 years.
0: Deputy Mayor Cheryl Stickler asked if the 911 system was connected to the new system being sought. How
2: does
5: this interface with the 911 call system, and does this attend to the frequency with which that system goes down, or those are apples and oranges?
1: These are two different systems.
0: The Assembly voted unanimously to approve the upgrade costs. The Capital Improvement Fund and the Fiscal Year 23 budget has funds allocated to cover the cost to purchase the new system. A small pair of earthquakes struck the Juneau area Wednesday morning. A magnitude 2.7 earthquake struck early Wednesday morning off the west coast of Douglas Island. According to the Alaska Earthquake Center, the small temblor struck at 2.20 in the morning at at a depth of 8 miles. The center placed the quake 8 miles southwest of downtown Juneau. In addition, another quake of magnitude 2.7 struck at 10.12 in the morning east of Turner Lake. That temblor was at a depth of two miles. Alaska Senate Democrats wrote to Governor Dunleavy Tuesday requesting that this year's $3,200 permanent fund dividend and energy relief check be issued immediately to help Alaskans with high energy costs. Traditionally, the permanent fund dividend is paid in October. In 2020... Due to the economic impact of COVID, the governor issued that year's dividend on July 1st. During the 2022 legislative session, the legislature approved about a $2,550 dividend with an additional $650 for every eligible Alaskan to mitigate high energy costs. Alaska Federation of Natives President Julie Kitka spoke to the media on Tuesday in support of the governor's budget. Kitka says the Dunleavy administration has assisted AFM through the pandemic for economic recovery and says Governor Dunleavy reached out first trying to help. Almost three-fourths of a billion saw its way to Alaska tribes.
5: The governor's office reached out to us and said why don't you set up a navigator project and help your people navigate all these agencies and try to capture some of these monies that might escape the state and so They are the ones that approached us. We agreed to that. Our goal was to try to capture 300 million that might have missed the state, and we had six months to do it in a limited amount of time. And at the end of the six months, we touched 771 million, or three quarters of a billion dollars.
0: The governor's office also is working with AFN on federal tribal infrastructure dollars, Kitka says. We
5: also talked to the governor's office very Closely about the, the, um, infrastructure bill that was passed and the fact that there's a 13 billion dollar tribal set aside in that for Native Americans across the country. And so this partnership, working with the state to try to compete and capture those resources to build up our communities and our people on that. Uh, the partnership with the state is going to be essential in order to do that, because most of our tribes are small, small populations scattered there, and how do you compete against the Navajos or the Cherokees with their huge populations?
0: Kitka says the Dunlavey administration has helped get many issues into the forefront for Alaska tribes. and other matters, missing and murdered indigenous people investigator Ann Sears came out Tuesday in support of Governor Dunleavy's budget as well. Sears, a longtime Alaska state trooper, says faith in investigators is extremely important
2: a thorough investigation of murders or missing persons involving Alaska Natives is a top priority for the state of Alaska and for the Alaska Department of Public Safety Alaskans should have faith that their law enforcement agencies will investigate crimes regardless of race religion nationality gender zip code or any other circumstance and my position is evidence of
0: that Sears says cold case investigation and other criminal matters are making headway and says Dunleavy's budget is unprecedented for its support of law enforcement.
2: I'm not doing this alone as it takes hundreds of troopers and professional staff to help provide public safety in Alaska including investigating MMIP cases. As a 20-plus year Alaska state trooper having served in both rural and urban Alaska, I have never seen a financial investment In our department and mission as large as the one as the governor and the legislature is providing in this budget. It invests by adding troopers, rural-based investigators, VPSOs, and professional staff across the state. It invests in our aircraft and vessel fleets to ensure that troopers can respond to our smallest communities without delay.
0: And Sears, thank the governor for the budget. Former President Donald Trump has announced a visit to Anchorage to endorse candidates Sarah Palin, Kelly Shabaka, and Governor Dunleavy. According to Trump's Save America organization, he will hold a rally on July 9th at the Alaska Airlines Center located on the campus of University of Alaska Anchorage. The event is slated to begin at 4 p.m. Parking opens at 6 a.m. for the rally.
5: Love the way walk. I love the way you talk.
0: Zaleska Heritage Institute has hired Fairbanks musicians Mark Brown and the Blues Crew to play at its newly opened arts campus at Heritage Square for the 4th of July holiday weekend. Brown is a Koyakon Athabaskan who was raised within a large family of musicians in the small village of Husila. Brown attended the prestigious Berkeley College of Music. Listeners may remember the group most recently when they performed in the Auk Rock Fest held in Juneau last year. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYRadio.com. Now you're up to date for news of the North. This is Kevin Allen.